From New Orleans, Louisiana, it's Empirical's PowerTech Podcast. This is the place where we talk about bringing technology to the power industry. Our goal is to educate you on the most popular trends, bring you actionable strategies from industry thought leaders, and help you make sure your utility is prepared for the future. I'm your host, Matthew Sachs, president of Empirical, former utility engineer and power industry advocate. Our previous episode discussed the need for utilities to share their outage data with their communities, and we touched on the Department of Energy's Outage Data Initiative. In today's episode, we're going to hear from a utility veteran to get his perspective on the topic, as well as how it can lead to fire mitigation and other emergency planning programs. Danny Zaragoza is the founder and president of Zaragoza Consulting Incorporated, and prior to that, he spent over 40 years with San Diego Gas and Electric in various operations and emergency management roles. During that time, he led their efforts to develop a comprehensive fire risk mitigation program that would improve the resiliency of the electric grid. The program included strategic investments to fire harden the power grid, increase their situational awareness, update the operating protocols, and enhance the region's ability to respond to wildfires. He also oversaw the build out of the world's largest utility owned weather network as the company actually hired its own meteorologists. Danny, welcome to the show. Well, good morning, thank you for having me. You bet. Now in our previous podcast episode, we were talking with some folks about the Outage Data Initiative Project that was sponsored by the Department of Energy. And you worked on that effort, but more from the utility side. Why do you think it's a good idea for utilities to share their outage data with public agencies and their respective communities? Well, uh, first and foremost, I think it's good to share that information because our utility customers have clearly stated that having current and accurate outage information is what they need for planning purposes until service is restored. There are you know, numerous causes of service interruptions that affect the duration of an outage. Uh, some outages are planned, others are unplanned. Unplanned outages uh, could be the result of equipment failure. Uh, some are caused by third-party damage, such as a vehicle contact. Others are caused by storms, uh, lightning, wind, uh, heat, and other weather-related events. And uh, some could be as a result of a natural disaster, such as an earthquake. Planned outages, for instance, are sometimes needed to, to replace equipment for public or worker safety. Either way, all the outages have a customer impact, and customers have said that they would like information to plan ahead until service is restored. It's also important to remember that uh, customers have different needs. Some uh, stay at home, uh, getting their kids ready for school when an outage happens. Some might rely on some type of life support system that only has a limited backup supply for them. There are large commercial or industrial customers that may have hundreds or even thousands of employees that are impacted. Or it could be a small home-based business such as myself. Then there are also uh, first responders uh, such as police and fire that may need to respond to emergencies. And for more significant events and widespread incidents, you might have involvement by local uh, emergency service agencies such as the Red Cross who provide disaster relief and need outage information to plan for their deployments and deactivations. So, so depending on, on the need of the customer, certainly having the most current and accurate information is, is what they've said they need and would like uh, for planning purposes. 
Well, you were at a utility and, and you were in the control room even, so you've had inside access to the types of information. How difficult is it for utility to begin sharing that data on their outages? That's a, a little open-ended question, uh, kind of tough to answer, but you know, sharing the data uh, today, uh, most utilities provide outage information to customers, uh, really depending on the need of the customer has for the information and how detailed information they need uh, is what the challenge is and how they would like to receive it. Certainly in today's technological world, it's preferable to share the data electronically, which at times poses some challenges on how that data would be shared. Uh, so, you know, but it would depend on, on the type of outage management system that a utility has uh, and the complexity and also the accuracy of their data. So it's not an easy mechanism to put in place uh, to share data electronically so that uh, a customer can have it in real-time uh, operations. Now, you mentioned emergency responders, you know, be that the fire and police or EMTs, Red Cross. Where do you see emergency responders benefiting from having access to all of this outage data? Well, it, you know, in talking with uh, the first responders and disaster relief agencies, their need is specifically for planning purposes. Uh, for example, if an outage happens, uh, it's affecting a major intersection with heavy traffic. Law enforcement may immediately uh, deploy traffic control personnel to help with traffic control until service is restored. Or uh, if the outage is due to a more significant incident, such as a, an earthquake, you know, the Disaster relief agencies such as the Red Cross would need information to plan when and where to deploy their personnel. This could have an impact on where to set up shelters, uh, for example, for evacuees uh, and how many volunteer personnel they may need to deploy. They would not want to deploy personnel to supplies to an area that has severe damage and could see a prolonged outage when they could set up in another location that possibly did not experience uh, as severe damage and may still have the utilities in service. So just knowing what areas are, are impacted um, is very valuable information for them. Uh, you know, and at the end of the day, uh, regional preparedness is not something that uh, one agency can do alone. Uh, it takes a collaboration amongst all the agencies to work together uh, to ensure the safety of the communities that they serve. That's a really good point. Uh, I think we can picture disaster relief help going to an affected area, but really it's the unaffected area, like you're saying, where there might be staging logistics and, and materials and personnel that could be in upcoming danger zone, and, and this data could actually predict that. that. That's quite interesting. So I want to go back to something we mentioned in the opening, that you actually installed a weather center within your former utility, San Diego Gas and Electric. What made you look beyond the traditional means of having access to weather data and go to such what I think a lot of us would consider an extreme solution to actually want to hire your own meteorologists? Well, at the time, we had a good uh, publicly available weather information uh, and good weather forecasts that we could get, say, from the internet. Uh, we'd get them from the local television stations and meteorologists there. But as a utility, we decided we needed forecasts specific to the areas uh, where we had electrical facilities that could be at risk during extreme weather conditions. As you well know, here in, in Southern California, I experience what they call the Santa Ana winds during a, a certain time of the year that could pose a severe risk to your electrical system. 
So uh, bringing in meteorologists to provide weather forecasts to the operations personnel, we felt provided the system operator with the situational awareness that they needed to make real-time decisions uh, for personnel and public safety and equipment safety. When the program was first started in about 2009, there were 14 publicly available weather stations that were used to develop the, the weather forecast here locally for our areas uh, in the high fire risk area. And today there are nearly 180 weather stations owned by the utility that are used to monitor weather conditions uh, in that same area. The utility today has the ability to monitor weather from a weather station that's in close proximity to every circuit, electrical circuit that's located in that same high fire risk area. So, you know, having all of this information, we felt a need to have a meteorologist uh, that could come in and be able to take all that information and develop our own weather forecast specifically to how it could impact our electrical system. And uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, weather is the number one impact on the electrical system, you know, from heat waves to high winds, snowstorms, hurricanes, ice storms. All these weather patterns have the potential to significantly impact the utility's ability to deliver reliable power. And uh, having meteorologists on staff with access to some of these this most sophisticated weather tools put the operations personnel at another level, and it's you know, all for the benefit of the customer. So what would you say then would be the risk to a utility from not having a fire mitigation program? We've certainly seen enough examples in the news recently about the damage that these wildfires can do to the electric grid. Certainly utility can't prevent a a wildfire from starting or at least from spreading like they do. Couldn't they just rely on their control centers to kind of monitor the system and react accordingly? You know, although our discussion has been focused on fire risk mitigation, I think that personally, I think utilities need to look at what the localized risks are for them and develop a hardening or resiliency program to better protect for those specific types of conditions. Although firestorms have gotten a lot of attention here recently in the, in the West, elsewhere, you know, we're experiencing more severe weather conditions such as hurricanes and even tsunamis here recently. These weather events pose a significant impact to the electrical grid, just like a firestorm uh, that could cause widespread and long-term service interruptions. I think that until grid monitoring technology matures or advances more, that under certain conditions, it's not advised to have control centers react accordingly, as you stated. And I emphasize the word react. By reacting, to me, it implies that something or an equipment failure has already occurred. And in the case of fire, the ignition may have already happened. If this happens during critical fire weather conditions, the the fire could spread rapidly and may not be able to be contained or controlled. You know, all these tools are needed to provide system operators the proper tools to make good proactive decisions and informed decisions and not have to react to an event that has already occurred. Well, let's say I'm uh, one of those utility managers and hearing what you're saying and really believe in, in the effort and want to go about implementing or designing such a program what would kind of be the first steps you would recommend I would take to start going down that path? Well, you know, that's a, that's a pretty broad question. You know, the, a fire risk mitigation program is a very comprehensive program. Uh, so there are many things that have to happen in parallel to get your program started. 
However, you know, for the sake of this conversation, uh, I think that utilities first need to assess what it is that could have a significant safety and reliability and financial impact to their business. Then when that is determined, what is the greatest risk to the company and the public? And you would need to prioritize what risks to address first. Okay, so in the case of uh, developing a a fire risk mitigation program, uh, some of the first steps that could be undertaken, uh, in my opinion, uh, would be where in your service territory do you experience conditions where if a wildfire were to start, it could spread rapidly and cause significant risk to life and property. You need to conduct a detailed analysis of where in your service territory are the most severe weather conditions and what electrical facilities are in that area. I would review the grid operating procedures and revise if necessary. You know, one thing that most utilities do today under critical fire weather conditions is turning off reclosures circuits uh, prior to any significant event occurring. You might review historical outage information and evaluate if there are any common causes of outages uh, that can be addressed. Here locally and and in other utilities in California, they're going out and replacing wood poles with steel or concrete poles. In the case of San Diego and uh, other utilities, uh, build a a mesonet or a a weather network to monitor weather conditions in the high fire risk area where there are uh, electrical facilities. So, you know, it, it took a lot of analysis by our meteorologists to go out and survey the area, look to see where the highest winds were being experienced throughout the service territory and really took a hard look at our service area to see where these 180 or so weather stations were going to be installed. And, you know, this is just a few examples of some of the projects that could be undertaken to be developing such a program. But at the same time that these programs are being executed, you know, you you really need to communicate with all the stakeholders, such as legislators, regulators, first responders, uh, community emergency response teams, and the public in general. You know, everyone needs, should know uh, what is going on. And, uh, you know, although the utility has responsibility for the electrical infrastructure, the entire fire risk mitigation program is is a community safety program that impacts everyone. Consequently, the program, uh, I think, should be developed with input from all stakeholders as everyone uh, will be impacted in some way. That's true. I couldn't agree more. When you have the outages, not just any longer about serving your customers from their electric needs, it's, it brings together that whole community because these things are widespread and they can cut across larger regions. And you think about who's being affected, like you said, the life support systems or the other critical components and traffic lights and all the other emergency things that kind of come into play in a community when there's a widespread outage. So it's interesting that, you know, now you're starting to transition this from, I guess, the reactionary component we talked about is when an event has is occurring or just occurred to now what's the program to kind of harden the grid and build in some of that resiliency to mitigate the effects the next time it happens or even prevent some of it from happening. For example, like converting the wood poles to steel in some of those areas. I think that's a nice way for people to say, hey, the program is not just about what happens during an event, but you know, this is where I maybe need to make an investment and actually harden my grid. Exactly. And ultimately, 
I mean, if you're reacting to an event and let's say, for example, a, an ignition has occurred and a fire is spreading rapidly, more than likely your electrical system is going to be impacted at some point. Power is going to go down. And, you know, then it would take quite a while to get it replaced, especially if you have wood poles, you know, having to come in and replace them all, you know, looking for help from outside utilities, uh, mutual aid mutual assistance from the outside. And in California, you know, sometimes the whole state is under a red flag warning, for example, and local utilities or in-state utilities may not have the resources to offer support. So you have to go out of state. So a comprehensive program that takes a lot of planning and coordination with not only your communities, but uh, other stakeholders throughout the region. Well, Danny, I think that's some fantastic experience something that I don't believe we hear enough about. And whether it's coming from the Outage Data Initiative or your efforts at SDG&E, this is a very timely topic. And like you said, it's not just fires, it's floods, it's hurricanes, it's earthquakes, tsunamis, snowstorms, ice, wind events, and more that every utility experiences at, in, at some point. And I think you've brought up a lot of points for utility managers to consider and offer some solutions about how they can harden that grid. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. And anything I can do to help, uh, please give me a call. In today's episode, we heard again how the sharing of utility outage data can benefit communities by both improving the response of multiple agencies, as well as minimizing the extent of forced power shutoffs. Beyond that, utilities can design and implement programs to mitigate these outage risks by analyzing the data following an event. Better decisions on capital spending can then be made when this data is matched to other characteristics of the grid, such as the age of assets, criticality of load, and more. Well, that about wraps up this edition of the PowerTech Podcast. If you haven't yet, please log in to wherever you subscribe to the podcast and both rate this show and leave a comment, as that really helps new subscribers in the power industry to find us. Also, for more free insights on bringing technology to the power industry, make sure to visit Empirical.com. We post free white papers, articles, and all of our previous podcasts there. Plus, you can register for a free 3D strategy planning session call with one of our 3D planning specialists. Again, you can do all of that and much more at Empirical.com. Please stay tuned and join us for the next episode of the PowerTech Podcast. And until next time, keep engineering powerful solutions.